Good evening, everyone. My name is Brad Furman, and I'm a Shuzo with the Dragonfly Sangha. And Sensei Tony asked me to share a few words with you all this evening. And uh, when he did so, I was a little nervous, uh, never having having uh, uh, given a, a Dharma talk before. But I uh, was really excited for, for the chance, and so I hope that some of you will find uh, this message useful. Um, so what I wanted to talk to you about was... Uh, some things that I've found have made my my Buddhist practice a bit more meaningful uh, for me. Um, and, you know, like a lot of folks who come to Buddhism in the West, particularly those of us who enter the priesthood, but I, th I really think anyone who who uh, embraces this, this path, um, oftentimes we find this is not our first spiritual tradition. Um, for me, I was raised in the United Methodist Church, was brought up uh, uh, with my family, um, with a nearby church, and uh, was very active uh, growing up. Uh, from a very young age, I was very spiritually curious, and I, I always would seek answers to those those big whys, you know. And uh, I started studying for the the ministry and for ordination in the United Methodist Church when I was around fourteen or fifteen years old. Uh, and I'm sure uh, to some of my friends, like a lot of religious teenagers, I was probably pretty insufferable at times. Uh, but it was something that I, I took very seriously. And certainly my my spirituality continued to develop and evolve as I studied um, for ordination. And I went to college, uh, my undergrad, to, to study religion and philosophy with the intention of eventually getting my Master's of Divinity and, and being ordained in the, the United Methodist Church. Um, but obviously, uh, here I am <laughs> in, a, in a Buddhist community um, wearing Buddhist robes, so clearly things did not go uh, quite as planned, um, as they rarely do, but, but uh, uh, certainly I feel it, it worked out for the better for me personally. Um, but for, for those of us, and, and certainly for me, but, but you know, when you leave behind a spiritual tradition, there's a lot of things that you leave behind that you don't take with you. So, for instance, the scripture. Um, and so I was no longer reading the Bible, but certainly there was a lot of Buddhist literature and Buddhist scripture that I found uh, very meaningful to me. Um, the community, the church family, um, you know, it was, it was kind of, a, that was a tougher break. Uh, to make, honestly, because I was very active in the church. A lot of people didn't understand when I left. Um, and so that was really hard. And of course, just the, the practices, the, the rituals and the routines of the church. So Sunday mornings or Wednesday uh, uh, evenings or uh, different religious holidays throughout the year, personal practices that I had developed over time that, that were, were useful to me uh, in the church. And because that break from my my uh, old religion wasn't very clean, particularly when it came to the community, um, because like I said, I, I was really active in the church. I think people just didn't understand why this change was happening. Uh, for them, it, it seemed very sudden. For me, it was something that had, had taken quite a few years, um, a, a very slow process. But I don't think they understood it. So from their perspective, it looked like I was abandoning my faith, that I was, you know, being very heretical, uh, that I was an apostate, right? And and because, you know, I, I for me, like I said, I, it felt great. 
I wanted them to be happy for me, but of course I, I couldn't really expect them to be happy for me. I was leaving the the flock. Uh, but because of that, because of that that tension there, I developed a bit of resentment, um, particularly around those old forms and those old rituals. Um, and so I felt really free after that. You know, Sunday mornings were no longer for church. You know, my church now was the blue sky and the the grass and the trees and the rocks and the mountains and everything like that. It was it was very liberating. Um, and I embraced this newfound freedom because it was a mark of my new religious path. But there was a spiritual ember um, inside me that really needed nurturing, right? Because this was a new venture for me. Um, you know, I'd been in the church since I was a child. And so this was something now that I was doing that was new. Um, so a lot of the, the stoking of the flames really was intellectual for me. So a lot of reading, a lot of reflecting and thinking and journaling. Um, I would seek out websites, uh, movies, artwork, and, and my house, certainly my surroundings reflected these changes, you know, no longer did I have pictures of Jesus or crosses, but instead I had, you know, incense and statues of, of the Buddha or Bodhisattvas. Um, and I liked it. You know, I liked that my environment reflected this change and that there was an outward expression of this inward spiritual uh, path. And I, I sought out a religious community I, or a spiritual community. I found uh, the Dragonfly Sangha um, uh, many years ago now and, and got involved. And it was great. I loved being around like-minded people. But, you know, when I would go there for, say, Oban or Hanamatsuri for some of our liturgical celebrations, there was a bit of discomfort there because here's a group of people engaged in ritual and liturgy. And I had put that stuff behind. It all reminded me of my old spiritual path of my time in the church. And so there was kind of this nascent distrust there. Um, but again, that, that ember needed stoking. And so I continued to read, I continued to, to study and, and to learn where I could. And about three years ago, I made the decision to sort of formalize that, that training and, and entered seminary, uh, here with the, the Sangha. And, you know, I, I, I spoken to Sensei, uh, several times <laughs> in the years leading up to that point, uh, and, and. A, a, a joke with them, an analogy around people who have this calling. Because again, I, I was called to uh, ministry in the church, felt that ongoing call uh, as, a, as a Buddhist. And I said, you know, boy, when you feel that calling, when you're someone who is spiritually involved, uh, you're kind of screwed because <laughs> you can't really escape that. You're sort of like the, the coin, you know, spinning in those big donation bowls they would have in shopping malls. Right, where you put the quarter and it spins around the bowl and spins and spins and then finally it drops down into the middle. And I said, you know what, I'm really spinning and one of these days I'm going to drop. And, uh, and then finally about, about you know, two and a half, three years ago, I, I dropped and I, I, joined, I joined seminary. Um, and like any serious learning or any serious study, especially spiritual study, you unlearn as much as you learn, right? Um, you undo some of that hardening that spiritual ossification that happens within you where you, you think for sure, oh, I'm sure about this thing. I know this to be 
uh, uh, true. And, and as a Buddhist, you know, we love lists. So, you know, you memorize all of these facts, you know, the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path and the Five Skandhas and, and the Three Dharma Seals and all of these things, right? But that was also one of the reasons why I wanted to study is because I wanted to be challenged. I wanted someone to help me prove out these things I was learning. Um, and, but liturgy remained tricky for me. Um, you know, and, and even as a priest, I, I, I certainly came to love the, the liturgies with my fellow clergy and, and with everyone in the community. I loved my, my vestments, my, my robe, my, my roksu. Um, my quesa here, um, is very meaningful to me. But at home, you know, when I, when I got home from the house of meditation, my practice still remained very intellectual, more reading, more writing, reflecting, collecting of things. And even now, you know, over the last year, uh, almost a year that we've been been doing all of our liturgical celebrations and these these Monday evening meditations remotely um, there were times where I would just sort of participate very passively I would just kind of watch and there would be times if I was near my centering space that I would also light incense um, but again it was it was sort of a very passive non-participative experience and here's the thing I, I live by myself I've lived by myself for close to 14 years now and so i don't have to worry about bothering anyone you know with chanting uh or with incense i don't have to feel self-conscious um or, or you know worry about anyone watching me and and certainly those of you who, who also live by yourself or you know if you you have a moment where uh, a spouse or your partner is out of the house and you're just kind of by yourself. You don't normally walk around talking to yourself, uh, apart from the occasional, you know, where did I leave my keys or something like that. Um, so I don't know if I if I felt funny about bowing or chanting on my own, but I, I just didn't always do it. You know, whether it was uh, watching the, the Monday uh, evening meditation or just in my normal practice. Um but I came to realize, especially over the last two years, that to really stoke that spiritual ember um, inside me, uh, to really connect with my, my Buddha nature, and to really nurture a practice and go beyond just thought and study, that I needed some kind of structure. I needed some kind of formal movement uh, in my practice. And so I started to light incense every day. Um, you know, like I said, I, I had a centering space. There was no excuse to not uh, uh, do so. Um, but I, I set up a, a smaller centering space just in my kitchen, uh, right next to my sink, you know, very much a part of my, my everyday, and would light incense. Just very simple, um, you know, not the full, the full opening of the space that you'll see us do, but really just, you know, bowing to the, uh, to the centering space. Uh, lighting a candle and ringing a bell to sort of signal my my own openness and awareness. Um, I would light a stick of incense, make our three circles, touch it to my forehead, place it in the sand, bow, uh, and then ring the bell and uh, uh, blow out the candle. It's a very simple thing. But when I did that, it, it really made me realize that this is not just a, a mental exercise 
that Buddhist practice is not something that you can just only do up here. Um, and I realized that I was involving myself in practices that were thousands of years old. Something as simple as lighting incense is something that Buddhists have been doing for a long, long time. And, and realizations really came to me. The first one was that finally my, my whole self was involved in a practice. Um, not just my mind, but my ears, the ringing of the bell, uh, my eyes, my hands, my nose, you know, smelling the incense, my back from bowing, right? All of my senses were, were brought to attention with a simple act. Uh, and also, I realized very quickly that even though I was home by myself, I wasn't practicing alone. I was participating in, in liturgical movements with everyone who ever had or ever will. And I'm keeping these practices alive um, with my own expression of them. And of course, in the Dragonfly Sangha, we have the Book of Common Meditation, um, which I think is is beautiful. It contains all of our our liturgies, um, certainly several you know daily liturgies that can be practiced, but also for our our major um, uh, liturgical celebrations uh, throughout the year for big life events, uh, so for births or deaths, um, and then gattas that you can you can uh, uh, recite for certain situations. Um, and I started to make use of it, you know, not just for the, the, the liturgy of the day, but, you know, there have been times where if something happens, you know, I, uh, over the last year, two, two people in my, uh, extended circle have, have passed away. Um, and in both cases, I, I felt like I needed to do something to acknowledge that, you know, to, to light incense for those people. Um, you know, and, and before, while I may have reflected on, on their passings in a very, what, you know, what I would consider to be Buddhist terms. So, for instance, you know, they, they, they crossed over to the other shore. Um, their form had changed, that things are very impermanent. But by involving more of myself in that recognition, I realized that I was sharing in the grief of, of those who missed them. Um, and I was able to be with those people and be really connected to them, to the people both who had passed on and also to the people who were, were left behind. Um, and I was doing so in a way that, that had been done by millions of people over thousands of years. Um, and as I continue my, my training and, and prepare for my, my own ordination um, in, our, in our tradition, I've become much more intentional with following these liturgies uh, and not just with, you know, the, the community in a, in a shared way, but on my own. Uh, and I've been been uh, taking part in the liturgy of the day at home, at my own centering space. Um, and again, my, my rituals are still fairly quiet. There's not a lot of bombast or anything like that. The ringing of the bell, the bowing, the lighting of incense. But as I read through the liturgy of the day, you know, I move my hands. You see, I'm very expressive. <laughs> move my hands. I put my hands out. I put my hands up. I put my hands together. Um, as I read different different sentences and different parts of our of our liturgy, and I felt really connected to these movements because again, it wasn't just something that was was only in my head. 
it was involving my entire body and what my body was doing synced up with what all the other senses were experiencing. And it deepened my practice substantially. And now I would have considered myself to have been a Buddhist for the last, say, you know, 19, 20 years, um, almost half of my life. Um, but only now do I feel like I have a practice, right? And a practice is different for everyone. And I know for me, I've, I've always, you know, thought practice needed to look a certain way. I always thought it meant, well, I need to sit in meditation for 30 minutes a day, um, you know, and, and maybe for you, you know, sitting meditation is a very important part of your practice, um, as it is for many, many in our tradition. Um, or walking meditation, or like Sensei Tony mentioned last week, you know, generous giving, dana, uh, is, is, a, is an incredibly important practice. But people will do things that they find meaningful to them. So I, I would invite you, as you're watching this, as you, as you watch these Monday evening meditations, that you participate. Chant, bow, move your body, light incense. You know, be a part of these of these uh, uh, rituals. Because um, again, I've certainly been in the situation where I watch very, very passively, where I'm not, uh, uh, you know, participating along with everyone else. But give it a shot. And, and as you try it, as you, you do things like light the incense or you ring a bell or you bow or, or, you know, put your hands in different places as you go through the liturgy of the day, notice what's happening in your mind and in your body. Pay attention to what changes. Because what you'll realize is, again, that you're not doing these practices by yourself. You're not alone when you're participating in these liturgies because you're doing it with all of us you're doing it with me you're doing it with sensei tony with all of the other priests in our in our community you're doing it with all buddhists around the world uh who have ever existed and and really who will exist uh, uh any time in the future who who practice in this way with the buddha himself and maybe you're like me and you've left behind another spiritual tradition. And you have some suspicion of ritual. And you're, you're a little nervous about, about what those things mean and what they are. But try it. See what happens. And uh, uh, so that's what I, I wanted to share with you this evening. Um, and I hope that, that uh, uh, these words... Are, are useful to you, that you may find uh, uh, something in them that you can practice for yourself. And uh, until I speak to you all again, thank you very much. <laughs>